0: So be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag H-I-T-S-M and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 13 years of Health IT blog content at com. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, reputation management is a challenging thing for doctors. So I'm yes. excited to talk about it.
1: It's definitely challenging, and it's definitely something that keeps them up at night, right? Like one bad review, one bad statement. I mean, you know, I can't fault them because I'm the same way. If I get something, someone says about me online, I, you know, I'm gonna react to it. So. But managing your reputation online, not easy as a physician, for sure. I have
0: to tell this preamble story. So, at, at the Expo.Health conference, one of the uh, CMIOs, I think he's actually a CIO, so he sees patients, I think, once a week, right? So, you know, he's mostly CIO, CMIO, but uh, he sees patients once a week. And he said at, at Expo.Health from the stage, he's like, Yeah, my children started searching me online and said, Hey, Dad, why are you a 2.7 rating? <laughs> his kids were searching his profile. He's like, I'm up to a 3.3 now. <laughs> but it was interesting how even the CIO was interested in his rating and his kids even started searching it.
1: <laughs> well, that definitely is – I mean, those are funny stories to hear. And, and it's glad that he took it with a, with a grain of uh, humor there, right? Because someone with a 2.7 rating, you know, you could have reacted to really poorly too, but – But
0: uh, it's because I'm a 5.0 dad.
1: I I like that. I like that. Well done. But no, you know, one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about this, John, was, you know, you mentioned to me uh, just, you know, uh, earlier this week, just around the fact that they're making available the 2017 MIPS scores now. uh, And so that kind of what is what precipitated this topic. So I don't know Maybe you want to comment on that.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you can check out an article we wrote on Healthcare IT Today about these MIP scores. So it's actually the MIP scores from 2017, which you know, may be a point of discussion. Like, wait, it's 2019 and we're just now getting the 2017 scores. And, anyways, in the article we linked to Chirpy Bird Health IT Consulting, they actually created a tool where you could look up anyone's MIP score. So, of course, yeah, I, my foot's literally in a boot right now from my orthopedic surgeon. So I looked him up, <laughs> see what his, <laughs> his uh, scores were, and he had exceptional ratings, which is great since he's a he's a friend and uh, also my doctor. So uh, yeah, that was fun to see. Anyway, it's interesting to think about these MIPS scores and and how they could be used because they are easily searched just by the name of the physician or your your group, you can do it by practices, so they release some of the scores by groups, some of them by individual doctors depending on how they reported. But the question is are all of the physician rating sites going to start incorporating all these scores? And they're literally called a MIPS quality score, like so the, you know, these rating sites don't have to lie about like, hey, this is a quality score, even though you and I know that the MIPS score has so little to do with how quality, you know, the, the the quality of care that they provide to patients. So it's a bit of a controversial thing, and they haven't done it yet, although they are publicly available on other sites. But will the mainstream consumer rating sites start incorporating them? If they do, what's it going to mean when you don't have a MIPS score? Or when you said, hey, I just need to do one thing, and then I don't get the penalties, and that's fine. So you didn't actually even participate fully in it, but the ratings are, start, start saying, oh, your quality scores are low. Yeah, that could be damaging to a lot of uh,
1: doctors. Oh, Agreed. And I think the way I look at these sites or any measures of quality is that you know, they do give you an indication of quality because it's better than nothing. It's better than having you know, nothing out there. But, yeah, but it if has. not
0: going participate. That's unfair, right? <laughs> it, it is.
1: But it, but I think I agree with you. And I would say it's more of a case of there's no tie to outcome. Like having a high quality score doesn't mean you're going to have a great outcome as a patient. It may be it might mean in your mind that you might have a more likely outcome of a uh, positive outcome. But uh, you know anybody in the industry will tell you it it really doesn't matter the quality. Every every patient's unique. Every every condition is unique. Um, but. I do think, John, I I would say I like this development, even if the data is a bit two years old, because at least there's some standard, at least there's some formula that, uh, that people are using to gauge the quality. And sure, right, today not a lot of people maybe are participating or doing the minimum, but as this does get more into the public realm, now all of a sudden people will definitely care about it because whether we like it or not, or agree that it's comprehensive or not, people are going to start basing their decisions on it. And as soon as people start basing the decisions sooner or later, payments are going to be, you know, you know, uh, sorry, you have to have a certain minimum score in order to even uh, qualify in terms of, you know, with certain patients, I'm not going to go to anyone less than this score or that score. I see all of this happening and I think it's a good thing because I think it'll lead to refinement of that mechanism.
0: See, and I think it's a scary thing. Like if, it, I, and me, it really goes back to this core question and the core question is can you measure quality and i'm i'm still of the opinion that i haven't seen it yet <laughs> and I talk to a lot of really smart people that are smarter than me, when, than me when it comes to quality. And they say, yeah, I think there is a way that you could do it. And they all agree that MIPS wasn't it. But they say, yeah, there is a way to do it. And, and you know, some people have made the case that the AHA or other organizations like that should really take that as an initiative that they should do so that we could assess the quality. But the, And the, my problem with it has always been that even doctors among themselves – don't know if another doctor is a quality doctor they do within their own specialty but then they would never go to that doctor so they don't have any way to assess even you know if, if you're a, a cardiologist you can't assess how good the the you know gastroenterologist is necessarily so you know it's just such a hard thing to measure i'm I'm afraid we'll never get there at least in this current environment at least in our lifetimes. Uh, that we're not going to get there to really rate quality. And so, you know, this is where it's frustrating for me when someone could use a MIPS quality score to assess the quality and it's not fair.
1: It, and you're absolutely right. I'm not judging the, uh, the whether MIPS is fair or not. It, but I would argue it, this same thing has happened in other industries, whether it's the airline industry, the hotel industry, the automobile industry. I mean, who says J.D. Power is the definitive you know, quality standard, right? Or should it not be just on number of repairs and dollars of repairs of your cars and how many you have out there? Like, There are multiple ways that people will claim that they have the best quality car. And, and if you and I even debated quality of car, you and I would come up with different uh, definitions, <laughs> right? But that is doesn't. That
0: international stop. differences or just our own? <laughs>
1: There's probably some international differences. I'm pretty sure handling in snow is probably not high on your quality list.
0: Well, I guess you know, and that is that illustrates the problems so well, right?
1: <laughs> it does, and it does, and, that's, and that, and and I agree with you in terms of measuring absolute quality in a comp, in a in a nice, compact, definable way. I don't think we're going to achieve that. However, like the other industries, it gives you a measure upon which you can. Do comparison, right? Whether you like J.D. Power or not, they do have a ranking, and then you can look at that ranking versus someone other score mechanism ranking versus another score and kind of get an idea of okay, well, if they scored high in all three, must be all right, right? Um, you know, but you're still going to choose this car or that car because of other reasons. It just becomes one thing to factor in your decision. I see there there's hope for MIF scores going that way. I think maybe in the current incarnation, maybe not. Uh, but with some refinement, with with more participation, with the realization that these are being incorporated into people's decision making, then we might get more uh, work and more effort being put into this area.
0: Yeah, but it goes back to being so unfair. I mean, back to your example of... You know, snow car versus a desert car is is so different. Well, the same is true if you live in a poor area and you have bad health outcomes, and you're seeing these really challenging patients who can't invest in their health, they can't get good food. I mean, we know SDOH is such a a major contributor to your health, and yet we're going to judge the quality of the doctor on the outcomes they receive if they take care of patients in a poor area versus a middle class area versus a rich area, which probably has opioid crisis problems. I think that's been proven out pretty well Uh, in the richer areas they have drug problems and other uh, other challenging situations so I don't know it will be interesting to see how it goes and then it will also be interesting to see how do the physician ratings websites Really incorporate this into it? Do they choose to embrace MIPS or some other type of quality score? Because I've always said, you know, let's just be realistic about what physician rating sites really are able to do. And they are able to rate the customer service of a healthcare organization. And I'm totally fine with that. I, I think that's something that's totally reasonable. But my problem has always been that many of the physician rating sites take this review of customer service and they make it appear as if they're providing a patient review of the quality of care that's given. And to me, those are totally different things and it's unfair when they represent a patient review of customer service as the quality of the doctor.
1: Again, I don't argue with you there. I think you're right that the physician rating sites, as they're currently constructed, do substitute customer service ratings and star ratings for clinical uh, quality ratings. And the two are not the same. And they're not... They are not what is being asked of the patient. It's not like the patient sits there and answers questions around, hey, did you have a good outcome? It's just simply a five-star rating like you rate an Uber ride, right?
0: And do they even know if they had a good outcome, right? Like, exactly. okay, they were healed, but it took three weeks when it should have taken three days, and they may not know that, right? So like, it just gets so complex so quickly.
1: Uh, yeah, which is, which is why I think a lot of people do kind of look at physician rating sites kind of with a grain of salt. Um, I, I agree with you, though. I think, I think some of the smart ones anyways are realizing this, that they are not really measuring outcomes or clinical quality. And so I think they are going to have to find other ways to add more data into their pool, right? Whether that data is like the MIPS uh, data that you're talking about, it could be other demographic data, like I can totally see a site doing what you just mentioned, John, where, hey, let's take the MIPS quality scores and, and you know, from the public website, let's take some demographic information of the catchment area of this physician. Let's put that together and go. Hey, you know what? This physician is practicing in a in a zone that's you know like this and has some difficulties and some challenges. So their score relative to other ones in that same zone actually pretty good, right? Even I though
0: compare it against other comparable exactly. zones that are challenging, maybe across the country or yeah, that would exactly. be
1: interesting. Because I think that's where some smart sites can go to say, okay, you know what? We can't rate everyone on an absolute scale because you can't compare somebody in downtown Los Angeles to someone in rural uh, the rural areas. So let's let's find ways to allow you to do that, right? So you can make the judgment yourself. So I do see some of these rating sites getting more advanced and incorporating more data sources. And I'm thankful that a lot of the pub are, are now kind of available online to allow them to, to actually do this. Yeah,
0: and what's interesting is if you look at those two factors, right? Uh, Bedside manner. Let's call it that right like what's the customer service bedside manner of the doctor of the front desk of all those things, right? How is the customer service elements and then you do the quality of care if you were to ask me Would you go to a doctor who has terrible bedside manner? But has the highest quality of care is going to keep you healthy and avoid uh, sicknesses and I think for most people they would say I want the highest quality of care, even if their bedside manner isn't so good, and even if I have to wait an extra hour, but I know I'm going to get better outcomes, they probably are going to take the person with better outcomes, which is really interesting when you think about how do we measure, do they have better outcomes?
1: Well, yeah, but I think think just to your point, I think it depends on why you're seeing that physician, right? like if if I have a chronic condition, if it's a life and death situation, you're absolutely right. I don't think bedside manner is going to factor into most people's decisions. However, if it's more common problems, uh, you know, I have uh, a headache. You know, I don't know really. You know, I just need uh, you know a renewal of prescription you know, then the scale tips maybe the other way. I'm going, well, you know, do I really care that this person has higher outcomes for people who have migraines versus, you know, the better customer service, but I don't have to wait, I can do everything that's online, he's got, or she's got, you know, uh, uh, ability to communicate with me in an asynchronous manner, you know, it can tip the balances to where they, you might actually consider those. So I do think that it's a bit of a balance that, that I think it depends on the situation, sorry. And, and therefore, I think smart physician rating sites should allow for this kind of slicing or at least uh, this kind of presentation so that you can make some of these decisions.
0: It's fascinating what you're saying because what you're suggesting is that if it's something where there's a high risk of an adverse outcome, then I care, Right. right? But pretty much every doctor can treat the flu, right? Or the cold. So, you know, maybe that's where we need the data. And, you know, maybe these rating sites need to incorporate what is your chief complaint and what's the risk of that chief complaint being misdiagnosed or incorrectly diagnosed. And that will influence whether we care about the quality because, you know, probably, you know, for a a, a cold or flu, you get 99 percent the same outcome with pretty much every doctor. And so, yeah, I don't really care. And then bedside manner and customer service really matters uh, because I know the outcome is going to be the same. But if I'm dealing with a, a chronic condition that has very different outcomes based on the quality of the doctor that's there, the way they treat it, the tools they provide, etc., that might really influence that. That's really a fascinating way. And, and none of them are that sophisticated,
1: unfortunately. No. No, but I think I think you know again using that example, I think that's the difference between am I looking for a luxury or sports car or am I looking for you know a family car? You know sites do start that way before they get into making recommendations for you and rating because why you know you know Mercedes Benz may have the best highest rating, but it's not it's not affordable to me and that's not what I want, right? Like I don't care I don't care about the top quality when I just need something a cargo thing to get me from A to B. But anyway, yeah, it's just kind of interesting to think about reading sites. You know, of course, it's very controversial as well. Physicians love and, and love-hate relationships with them. But that, uh, that's something we'll, we'll discuss next. And by the way, hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lynn and Colin Hung. And this week we're talking about physician reputation, a hot topic that uh, is coming about because of the 2017 NIPS scores that are being made available publicly. Uh, So John, let's let's uh, change gears a little bit and talk about the role that technology can play in managing or improving a physician's reputation.
0: So, uh, you know, there's so many angles to technology because Interestingly enough the the reason we have all these rating websites is because of technology. <laughs> like how did the ratings happen back in the olden days? I guess the payers collected them maybe <laughs> and maybe you had some ratings like you know technology made it possible to even evaluate and even discover Uh, new opportunities and then you know air travel has provided incredible opportunities where you know maybe I should go to Las Vegas for my uh, you know for my gastric bypass surgery because they have the highest quality and I get to relax in a nice place so it's interesting that but uh, more specifically to the ratings websites is you know I love the idea of using technology to engage your patients is going to be key. So if you want to be successful on a ratings website, you need the 75% of patients who aren't going to go do the physician rating. uh, You need them to get involved because we already know the ones that are pissed off and angry and had a bad experience, they're going to use the ratings websites. And we know that that 5% that just had an extraordinary experience, you cured their cancer, whatever it might be, right? They just had this amazing experience. They're going to use it as well. So how do you do that 75% and maybe it's more like 95% of patients who aren't going to go there on their own? But would go there if they just had a little encouragement. That's where I think technology can play an incredible role, and I've seen it over and over in practices and hospitals. That if you use the right technology, and often it's something as simple as a text message or an email that's framed the right way, you can encourage those the set, that you know 95% of people who aren't gonna rate to just take a minute and go ahead and rate you. And so if you do that, you know that that's half of the battle, maybe even more. <laughs>
1: I think I could take a slightly different approach to the use of technology. I look at this as you know an opportunity, maybe a wake-up call for some to actually use technology in their practices and in their organizations to engage with patients on that customer service level. And here on what I'm talking about is, you know, the ability to book appointment online, the ability to see a wait time on an, on an app, the ability not to have to actually wait in your waiting room and have have you text me when I need to go back, right? And so I can go and wander around the mall that you're in or the, the area that you're in after checking in. I wanna be able to check in online. And all these things that, again, we've been, you know, you mentioned it, we've been accustomed to in other industries. I totally see that playing a role on rating sites for sure, and a little bit in terms of the the perception of quality. But I mean, there's been a lot of studies um, in ter- that have been that have looked at the correlation between a perception of quality and customer service. And that actually does have a role in outcome. If you believe you had a good quality encounter, your outcomes you will be better because you believe it to be so. So I, I look at this as, you know, if you're thinking about or concerned about ratings, uh, if you're concerned about just being a, a good practice or a good uh, physician, you've got to look at technology and the effect it can have on the service that you're providing. And it can be as simple as, like you said, texting, be having, offering the ability for you to text with a patient or to get a text reminder, uh, or, or uh, simply a reminder of, you know, a text reminder of your, of your upcoming appointment, instructions that are delivered by email. Uh, even if you don't communicate by email in terms of, you know, allowing, the a, uh, a, a patient to connect with you that way, at least being able to use that mechanism and using some of these modern tools I think plays a big big role.
0: That's a good point. I mean, I'm supposed to go get a lab test done and I'm surprised that I haven't got a text message or email saying, why haven't you gone and done it? You know, I, I kind of almost expect it and I haven't gotten it, which is interesting. You know, I was working on this challenge with Shahid Shah one day and we kind of said, well, okay, we can't put on a ratings website A quality measure because how do we measure quality but could the use of technology be a faux measure of quality the idea being and I'm interested to see if you agree or disagree with this if you are staying up to date on the latest technology does that mean that your organization is staying up to date on the latest advances in medicine and the latest technologies available for treatment and all of those things like is it a faux measure of, you know, if I stay up to date with the latest technology for my practice and I provide online self-scheduling and, you know, a, a nice updated website, et cetera, is that a faux measure of how the kind of quality care that I'm providing? Because if I keep up to date on that technology, I'm gonna, I'm probably keeping up to date in other areas. And and maybe, I mean, anyways, I, I, let, let's have your answer, then I'll see. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's an interesting thought. So is one a surrog- I call it a surrogate measure, you call it a faux measure, but it's the same thing. Um, yeah. I, I would say, I think there's some truth to that. That if I am, it's the same theory as, is your place clean, right? Uh, you know, uh, if it's a place of business, do you keep it up to date? Do you keep it nice and tidy? That shows you care about it. At the very least that goes, if you show that much care about the appearance of your place of work, that must mean you care a little bit about the quality of work that you're providing. So I think in that in that spirit, it is a a surrogate for you know that if you hey, if you are using these advanced technologies to engage your patients in this way, it does give a little bit of indication that hey, you know you're you're probably up to speed on the latest technologies and things in the clinical side of your of your practice as well.
0: Yeah, well, and what's interesting is we all know that you don't have to have online self-scheduling to provide an amazing in-room patient experience, sure. right? Like that, that, that's clear, right? But what's interesting is from a perception standpoint, which in some ways is all that matters, <laughs> you know, does it create the perception that you are even if you're not? And, and that could be an exciting thing for those that stay up to date on technology and could be a scary thing for those who use it inappropriately and provide a, a you know a bad experience for a patient and don't provide quality care. But anyway, I mean, it's interesting to think about the perception, going back to what you said, that patients have that, hey, this was an amazing experience and I, I loved it, uh, even if the quality of the care wasn't as good as – the quality of the customer service but right. technology can certainly change that experience
1: hey john if you can believe it we're getting close to the end of the of the episode here so one quick tweet size uh tip for how you can improve uh your or manage your reputation online as a physician
0: yeah so my tip is when you get a bad review engage with the bad review and don't just avoid it engage and show them that hey what this review doesn't mean we don't care because if you engage with them and show that you care, it'll turn a bad review into a good one.
1: And my tip uh, around this area would be own your own reputation by being online. And that can mean social media, but it can also mean articles. It can also mean engaging in person in your community because when you put yourself out there and show the real self, when those bad reviews do come, where when those uh, adversities do come, you've at least established that hey, you're already out there. This is not you. This is an apparition. Nice. Whereas if you don't do any of that, and then that one bad you know review hits, that may be the only thing online about you, and you, that's not that's not what you want. So get ahead of it by being out there and being online.
0: I think that's a future topic: healthcare yeah. social media. I think we go.
1: <laughs> hey, listen, to, to all of you, thank you for tuning into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. You can find more details about our show by checking out the program's page on healthcarenowradio.com. Thank, and please, please share your voice and your comments with us at healthcareittoday.com or on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM. i I'm Colin Hong with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Land. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.